Hey everyone, this is Brian Ferguson. If you're listening to this, then I know you enjoy the Bumps and Thumps podcast. In order to continue to get the guests on and improve our podcast, we need support from listeners like you. That financial support helps us continue to do the podcast and get guests on that we normally would not be able to get on the show. Please go to anchor.fm forward slash Brian, B-R-I-A-N dot Ferguson, F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N and the number three after and click on the support button. There will be options there for you to make a monthly contribution. With your contribution, we can continue to conduct the podcast and ask more well-known wrestlers from the past and present that require financial compensation to be on the podcast. Again, please go to anchor.fm forward slash Brian, B-R-I-A-N dot Ferguson, F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N and the number three and click on the support button. Thank you for listening to the podcast and thank you for your support. Thank you for joining another edition of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I'm Brian Ferguson. My guest today is a co-host on the VOC Nation's network podcast called Wrestling with History, along with legendary wrestling journalist Bill Apter and former AWA and WWE announcer Ken Resnick. He also is the chief business development officer at Telesystem and hosts a bi-weekly leadership podcast called The Next Generation Leadership with Micah Rosales-Peterson. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the voice of choice, Mr. Bruce Wirt. Bruce, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on Bumps and Thumbs. Yeah, thanks, Brian. I'm, I'm, I'm honored that you reached out and thought of me. Thank you. Well, you know, I started watching your podcast, Wrestling with History, with Bill Apter and uh, Ken Resnick, and it was just you know, getting that kind of those kind of guys on that show with you uh, says a lot about you and and what you do. So, I really appreciate again your time and coming on here. So, first, yeah. I'd like like to get into if I could uh, growing up, uh, where you grew up at, your family life, your schooling, that kind of thing. So, where did you grow up at? Sure, I I'm from Philadelphia, um, right. actually. Uh, not not when you say when people say the city, people get. When, when you think Philadelphia, New York, and big cities, you think of big buildings. We were in the residential part of the city, uh, working class neighborhood, um, actually on the poorer side growing up. So I didn't have a whole lot that the family didn't work hard for. Uh, I, as a child, had a lot of hand-me-downs. So, um, you know, my, uh, <laughs> my clothes were also probably my uncle's clothes at, at one point in time. But, you know, my parents worked very hard to make sure that we, we didn't know that we were poor and we had a great life and a great childhood. Um, I have a brother. And, uh, you know, foundationally, they instilled work ethic. So hard work, you can achieve anything you want to work for. Fundamentally believe in that, uh, transcending all barriers. And, you know, I teach that in leadership uh, in my my business role. Um, I think there's a lot of things that we we have to overcome in society. But my belief in in um, in this country is that anybody can do anything that they want if they work hard enough at it. And that's a beautiful thing because that's not, doesn't exist everywhere in the world, certainly. So um, I teach that, um, you know, I I teach the never give up kind of thing. And I look at life as a pyramid of success and the foundational part is your purpose. You have to know your purpose. You have to know what, uh, I'll say God, but replace that whatever with whatever you want intended for you to do on this earth and then you have to have passion um with your purpose that that should intersect so your passion might be fly fishing um and and that's fine but for me my passion is public speaking my purpose is leadership and they they go well together um and that kind of leads you into uh the other p's as i say perseverance you know never give up work at everything you do um be positive and be pliable um, 
anytime you do something new, you have to listen to others that have done it before. And uh, that kind of leads you into being successful. The only thing that we can teach is skills. And that's at the very top of the pyramid. But the rest is usually on the person. So I think, yeah. and you hear my dog jingling in the background. So uh, I apologize about that. No worries. But anyway, a uh, little off track, but that's my foundation, how I grew up. And um, it wasn't the best in school, but I got through it. And uh, I'm a yeah. proud graduate of LaSalle University in the city of brotherly love. All right. Okay. That's awesome. You know, I was a late bloomer myself. Uh, I didn't go to college until I was in my early thirties okay. in the military. So uh, as far as that stuff, I was the same way as you, as far as schooling. I, yeah. So it, uh, how did you get involved in the, the wrestling, your pro wrestling? So I started my telecom career. My, uh, I'll say it, my leadership career in 1999. Well, telecom career in 99 leadership, 2001. And I, I originally, I went to, to school, I went to college for communications and that's what I wanted to do. I was a big sports radio fan growing up. Actually, the first talk radio program that I fell in love with was called Rasslin Radio with Joel Goodhart, who was the promoter of the Tri-State Wrestling Alliance in Philadelphia. And that was a predecessor to ECW. And a lot okay. of people don't realize that. I did but not every... Every Saturday morning on Sports Radio 610 WIP, Joel had an hour-long show from 8 to 9, and I was a little kid, and I didn't know anything about dirt sheets or where he was getting his news, but I knew that this guy could tell me things that, I, that would happen on syndicated television way before it happened, you know, 1988, 89. Yeah. And I just fell in love with the whole thing, and I, I thought, you know, as a 10-year-old, this is, this is, I'd love to do this someday. And then um, listening to that station um, started to get into sports and um, you know, one thing leads to another. So that's what I wanted to do always was um, something that I had in the back of my mind. I got my first job at Comcast um, oh. in 1999 thinking that I would work, my way into the broadcast part of that, you know, start in sales and work my way into the broadcast. Started making a lot more money than you'd make in broadcasting because I was selling. And I just uh, kind of put that dream off. Yeah. And I'll fast forward 10 years, you know, way out of Comcast at that point. I saw an opportunity um, to do internet radio for, and this is before podcasts were really a thing. It was yeah. called voice America and they were looking for hosts and I didn't understand the the gig or the game. Um, you know, they wanted you to pay um, a couple thousand dollars for airtime. And I didn't know that that was um, a scheme. So I convinced um, my brother uh, to sponsor with his company. And, and we did this show and I started sending it out to all, all of the radio stations in the area. And that's, um, I'll stop there and we can kind of continue the story as you wish. But that's kind of the, the genesis of how I got into broadcasting. And then I, I'll, um, I'll kind of go wherever you want me to from there. Well, no, you covered the, I was going to ask you about your previous broadcasting experience. And you just kind of laid that out for us. Uh, so, I mean... I read in your bio a little bit that you used to work at a radio station yeah. uh, in Philly and, and, and did some uh, broadcasting there too. Okay. So uh, was there any wrestling involved with that or was that mostly? Yeah. So it, it's a funny story. Um, I'm, I'm active in a charity called Showtime Charities where I do emceeing for their events, uh, cancer benefits, uh, children, underprivileged children and children that are, um, have health problems, do a lot of events. Um, and I've, I've emceed for them for, I don't know exactly how many years, probably close to 10. Yeah. And so, so keep that in the back of your mind. So I'm doing this internet thing with my brother. We had a 12 week run and I, he wasn't going to continue to sponsor that show. So I'm sending out demo tapes to all the radio stations and, um, I get two at the same time that say, okay, you can, um, what kind of audience do you have? We can take you here. And I'll leave the name of the radio stations out. Okay. Um, 
but uh, I think they might be on my LinkedIn profile. But um, one was uh, a station that that is owned by Philadelphia Eagles broadcaster Merrill Reese, and I did a sports oh. show there at night after the Phillies game, um, which was fun. You know, it wasn't wrestling, but it was it was talking sports. And uh, for me, as a kid that grew up loving Philadelphia sports talk radio to work for the Philadelphia Eagles legendary broadcaster work at that station (laughs) and be able to do sports talk radio was a dream come true. And so did that for a little while. And I started to, so, so Bill after was part of the same charity that I was in. Um, Okay. So we would both do different take turns emceeing for this this group and getting to know bill i'd have bill on my show unfortunately that station had a pro wrestling talk show as well that aired on saturday morning so they didn't love the fact that i was doing that yeah and um i'll save some of the um i'll I'll not say some of the the uh, back and forth that happened there but i ended up going to WNJC 1360 Philadelphia and we um, started a wrestling show my co-host and I Lamar Wells uh, and and Albert Carabello um, we, we did that at WNJC on Saturday mornings and it started to pick up steam and I talked to Bill and I said is one wrestling interested in doing this together I mean we're on Philadelphia radio you get the brand behind that and uh, would you want to do something come on with us regularly so long story short we uh, we started one wrestling radio and that was at that station and they ended up giving us drive time on geez it was so long ago now it's it's 2010 (laughs) I think it was Wednesdays we did drive time from five to seven and Bill started introducing me to all of these legends that he knew. And I started traveling with Bill to do conventions and record video for him and do interviews. And I started making good friends. And uh, one of my closest friends in the wrestling business that still I talk to every year on his birthday for sure. And we do a lot together. Um, I I use him for telesystem stuff all the time is Jimmy Hart. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah. Jimmy and I, became close 10 years ago. And um, I mean, he's a treasured relationship. I, I, um, I'm so blessed to, to know him. He's just a great person and a good soul. And through Jimmy, I met Ken Resnick at um, an event called Sinomania in Philadelphia. So Ken became a friend. And I mean, there's a lot more, but those are the two with Bill that, um, you know, I, even when I stopped doing radio and podcasting for a number of years that was those are people that um off and on i'd stay in touch with well that's very interesting wow uh, so you kind of went into how you got involved with bill after and and ken resnick so let's talk about how the the project of wrestling with history got came together sure so you have to go back to so wnjc we ran on their for two years solid and we outgrew the, the platform. So we were doing more listeners than they could take on their. So you had the Philadelphia terrestrial radio, right. That's going out over the airwaves, but that was back really before podcasts were popular and, yeah. and radio stations would stream over the internet as well. And we were getting a massive following all over the world that would hit this show. Uh, Cause we would have, top guests, you know, nobody's asking for money at that point. They were coming on because they had convention uh, promoters would ask us to have their top super ticket people on to promote the convention. And we just really networked through that, that world pretty well. People like Terrence um, and James over at, geez, what was their convention uh, they had in in New Jersey every year? It was up in Edison. I forget the name of it. Yeah, I do too. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but stuff like that. And, um, and we, we had everybody that's anybody, Hulk Hogan, uh, Sting, Eric Bischoff. I, I mean, all of the, the mm-hmm. top people. 
got to do the, uh, we were the promotion arm for Hogan and Friends when they did, they were doing touring. They came to Philadelphia. So I, I worked with Brian Nobbs to do uh, the press for that. And, you know, we had Hogan on the air on WNJC. And I, you know, pinch me moment for me. I got to pick Eric Bischoff up from the airport and drive him to wow. to uh, Allentown. And, uh, and that was cool because Eric and I, for a little while, stayed in touch. And when I was in Orlando a few times, I would text him and he would get me backstage. Uh, he got me great seats to TNA and, and I got to oh, go wow. backstage. So, I mean, these are all things growing up as an eight-year-old, watching yeah. these people on TV. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, as a teenager watching in the Attitude Era, you're like, am I really living this right now? Yeah. And it completely separate from my real world. So I'm still yeah. working in telecom. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing this on the side. And really, we outgrew WNJC. We're doing, you know, many times over five figures of listeners on the internet. And I said, the business model here makes sense. Let's take this to the cloud. Let's, let's do streaming radio on the right. internet. And, um, and VOC Nation was born. So, uh, you know, my, my drive time name was, um, I, it, it's weird, um, and I, I'm not putting myself over, but mm-hmm. I, I kind of accidentally said my first uh, broadcast, I said, I'm your new voice of choice in the afternoon. And yeah. um, uh, people started uh, using that, so I, it kind of stuck. So, so that's the VOC and VOC Nation. And, um, and we set it up and we spent, money. I think that's the thing about me is I don't do anything half-ass. Yeah. Um, hopefully you're, uh, that's okay to say here. Yes. Yes. Of course. Um, yes. Uh, and uh, I don't always make the best. Sometimes my decisions with this stuff, not in telecom, but in this right. stuff are with my heart because it's something that I'm passionate about and I believe in. So mm-hmm. um, we spent a good deal of money to build a pretty good infrastructure. And, you know, at one point, I think um, podcast wise, we were number one for a long time. We had lots of great guests, lots of good talent. Um, We were getting in the genesis of podcasts. I had Chaz Warrington doing his show on, on VOC nation, Shelly Martinez, who's still with us uh, did, did a show. Uh, I'll miss people. So I'll stop naming names, but anyway, it was great. And, but it was still really tough, Brian, to make money. Yeah because podcasting wasn't what it was today and people didn't trust the numbers and it was, it was just tough. And I was running a full career, Mm -hmm. um, had two divorces in between before I got to my, my current marriage. Um, no kids with those divorces, thankfully, but, um, so I stepped away in 2014 after doing it for five years I felt at that point like I had done everything I wanted to. I met everybody I had ever dreamed of meeting. Um, I made some great friends. And Brady Hicks, who writes for Pro Wrestling Illustrated, yeah, I know and that. had his own podcast called In the Room. I we made a deal and uh, we merged the networks. And Brady came in and ran the whole thing. Wow! And and uh, that. At that point, I stopped investing. We scaled all the way back to the bare minimum. And he kind of kept it running, to his credit, um, without a whole lot coming in. I mean, we had some advertisers, but it wasn't what it once was. It wasn't the machine that it was. So I'll stop there and give you a No, chance. I was just going to say, I didn't realize you were the basically the founder, if I'm hearing you correctly, yeah. of VOC Nation, yeah. which is something to say because you were pretty young when that was up and coming. I mean, you're not that old now. I'm just saying, you know, for a guy that in his probably his early thirties or late twenties starting something like that with that kind of money you were talking about is something to say. Um, And uh, kudos to you. My retirement probably misses that money. Um, (laughs) You know, divorces plus, I mean, I I added it up one at one point. Um, I mean, yeah. It's a, yeah. Again, multiples of 10 figures uh, to, to do that. And, you know, the other thing we were doing is we were traveling. So I would work 
five days a week as a telecom executive. And then Saturday and Sunday, I'd be somewhere in the country emceeing a convention um, for wrestling. And, and it was nuts. And, and the thing for me was, I always felt like I've, I've been blessed um, to have the means a lot of times. So I would, I would foot the bill and I would bring along, um, you know, other people that worked with us um, for free. And uh, that was sometimes, you know, you ever hear of the word codependent where sometimes you do it because you, you think you're, you're doing something good. And then over time you start to think about, well, does this person appreciate it? And all on me, right? Because I, I, um, I went through that emotional battle of, um, and, you know, I had my feuds over the years because of it. And uh, it, it was, at the end of the day, it was all me. Like, I chose to do this. I chose to pay this money. I chose to do that. And these people didn't do anything to me other than say, sure, I'll go, I'll do this. And yeah. um, so, so thankfully, all that stuff is healed. Um, it was a big part of why I, I needed to step away for um, four or five years. And then uh, in 2019, uh, Brady and I got together and um, it was one of those points where I said, podcasting is getting to be big again. Uh-huh. I think we either, I'll either invest and we make this thing back into what it was or uh-huh. let's kill it and stop worrying about it. And uh, for better or for worse, Brian, I, I, here I am back deep in the thick of it. <laughs> and, uh, and we built back up VOC Nation. It took, took a couple of years, but yeah. um, we're back um, on the charts in all of the major countries. And um, we're not Conrad Thompson, um, but <laughs> I, I think, um, you know, I, I, I used to joke, I, I, Tom Pritchard is, is – um, you know, somebody that I would, you know, acquaintance or, or friend, um, at least he knows who I am. And yeah. I've talked to him a lot over the years. I always joke and I say, I'm the original Bruce of podcasting. You know, <laughs> your brother is second. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Well, you know, it's true. I mean, it sounds like you've done, I mean, for me, you know, when I first started, which was back in August of last year, I only came up with it because, uh, it was during the pandemic, you know, and I was working with the Royals still, uh, but I needed something else. Sure. And I love wrestling. I always have. You can ask my wife. Uh, I always have. You ask my mom. Uh, I, I loved it. Uh, so I said, I'm going to reach out. My first interview was with Greg Gagne. Awesome. Okay. I did two of them with him because uh, we got cut off, uh, but I reached out to him on email and it took it was five minutes. He replied, I was expecting a couple days, whatever, and replied right away. And then I set up an agenda kind of like we did. Yeah. And, and from there I kind of go, now I've hit some bumps in the roads. Uh, we'll talk about that with you too. Uh, when you reach out to somebody, uh, a wrestler or, yeah. and they say, well, I need X amount of bucks. You know, I'm not Joe Rogan. I'm not Conrad Thompson. I <laughs> yeah. can't. I can't do that. And I've had a few of them say, "Well, I need X amount of dollars to come on your yep. show." And these guys, not to be mean here, but they haven't been on the scene for you know, fifteen, twenty years that I've reached out to. Uh, have you had that kind of? Yeah. And see, when when we first started doing it they were all happy because what they were doing is they were making money from the convention. Um, the promoters would bring them in to do the autographs and the, the pictures. And that was just part of the gig is we need to promote this convention, get fans to go to it. So, you know, you're doing this show, <laughs> you're doing these right. shows. And um, so that's the way it was. And, and nobody ever asked for anything mm-hmm. over time. And I think the pandemic accelerated this people during the pandemic conventions weren't going on. Right. Unfortunately, I mean, and, and it's sad. A lot of these guys, because there's no, there's no retirement fund for professional wrestlers. True. So they made their money signing autographs and taking pictures for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. And um, when the pandemic hit, all that stuff shut down. So 
how do these guys make money? They, they have to reinvent themselves and they say, well, if I'm going to do these podcasts, I, I, I want X or Y. And here's what happened. When I came back and Brady and I talked about coming back, um, I, I felt like there's a lot of work, as you know, to book guests every week. And, and Ken and I wrestling with history didn't start with Bill. I, I ended up when one wrestling closed down, it was important for me to make sure Bill still had a wrestling home and um, he was part of my start. So that was easy for me to put Bill on the payroll at VOC nation and, and bring him into the fold. But <clears throat> wrestling with history just started with Ken and I and we kind of burned through Ken's Rolodex of guests and, and I just, I never wanted to do it again. Cause I, I don't have the time. Yeah. Um, and VOC nation at that point in the beginning, wasn't making enough to support a staff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was just something that if I was going to do it, I wanted to do it where somebody else's burden. And then, you know, Conrad's doing his thing. And, and I'd say this about Conrad Thompson. Um, I have a ton of respect for what he's built. Mm-hmm. Um, he's great at the business side of it. Um, I don't know how many hours he pours into all this recording that he does, but God bless him. Yeah. And I think what he did for this industry that you and I are part of is he reinvented it because it became about storytelling. Yeah. And I, I love that concept. And, um, you know, I, I think that he was a trendsetter and, and I thought, well, let's, Ken, let's not book guests anymore. Let's tell stories. Let's take different years or different people and tell stories about your backstage and you live the business in the time that was the hottest time, 84, 83 to 89, you were there. And then eventually we added Bill and, and it, it became bigger. And, um, you know, then it became, I I ended up doing it, Manny Fernandez's show with the same, thought mm-hmm. um so so that's my thing is i'd rather tell the stories uh, where our tagline is we take people yeah. behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history yeah and i want to do that because i think fans are craving that they want to know not just the dirt sheet version but right. this guy was there and yeah. and he's a good guy so he's not lying to you right um right. bruce may lie to you bruce not not me but bruce pritchard has an anger because <laughs> he still works and gets a paycheck from mcmahon but uh, Ken's not going to lie to you because he doesn't have to. Yeah, that's great. You know, I did a podcast with uh, Bill After back in October. Okay. Again, I was surprised that he even said yes because he don't know me from Adam. You know, he doesn't know who I am. Uh, all he asked is if I read his book. I bought his book. I read it. I thought is it was wrestling is is wrestling real or no? What is it? Is wrestling fixed? I didn't know it was broken. No, it was good. And I good actually job. tried to catch him one time uh, during the podcast. I said, "Is wrestling broken?" I didn't know it was fixed. And then he <laughs> caught it. He said, "No, it's." And I said, "I know. I was just kidding." <laughs> just seeing if he was paying attention. But great interview, great guy. Um, you know, uh, your other partner, Ken. I'd love to get him on here sometime. Uh, uh, but I don't know. Figure that out later. Anyways, yeah. uh, I. Uh, <laughs> You know, he's because I watched him as a kid, you know, on AWA wrestling. Yeah. He was, it was Gene Okerlund, him, uh, Roger Kent. Uh, I even saw, I was real little, Marty O'Neill. You know, I grew up in Wisconsin, you know, and I was only a couple hours from Minneapolis. Uh, and they'd come over every week on Sunday mornings before I went to Sunday school. I would watch uh, AWA or All Star Wrestling. Yeah. And, you know, you look at it now as like, you know, the production, but it didn't matter. Back then it was about the, the wrestling, the, the interviews, you know, were, were, you know, you believed them. Hey, this guy is going to kick this guy's hind end yeah. or vice versa. You know, back then you didn't know they were best friends in the back for the most part. Uh, you, you believe that they're going to hurt this guy or going to try to do the best they can. And, uh, I don't know about you and I kind of want to get into that wrestling from today, from the past. I I think it's kind of more of a, it's a lost art of what they did back then to now. Now it's 30 minutes of 
WWE showing Miz, the Miz show, or, you know, something like that where, and you don't see those jobbers anymore, hardly ever. I mean, especially on WWE. Uh, can you yeah. want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, so that was another thing when I came back in 2019 to do this, I, I said to Brady, I, I can't stomach a show. I, I don't want to have to watch wrestling because I, I mean, I'm a casual watcher. I'll watch yeah. the big pay-per-views, um, but I don't, I don't follow it like I did. I don't yeah. like the new product. Yeah. Um, flips and flops aren't, aren't really my thing. It's like um, some, some type of choreographed dance fighting. And I liked it when, yeah. when I could, even in the 90s, I could still suspend my disbelief and so it's funny because when Bill came on, Bill wanted to take the first hour of each show and talk about what was happening. And I said, the thing that I think we're doing people of a, a disservice if we do that, Bill, because they're looking at Dave Meltzer or Wade Keller or 411 Mania or Wrestling Inc. That's where they're getting their instant reaction to what's happening on TV. And those people are a lot better at it than... Yeah. Maybe you're up on it, Bill, but I'm not. Ken's not. <laughs> yeah. So let's tell stories where 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 the value is. So so yeah, Brian. To me, wrestling was golden from '84 to '91, and it went into the sh- crapper from '91 <laughs> to like '96. You could have said the other word. You know, it's okay. <laughs> uh, tri-state wrestling. Joel Goodhart started TWA in. 88 maybe and twa ran philadelphia metro down through delaware and they hardcore wrestling at its finest and out of the ashes of tri-state wrestling and ringmasters wrestling school became eastern championship wrestling with todd gordon and todd struggled and paul Heyman picked up the ashes of that so it grew into ecw extreme championship wrestling and that gave us the attitude era and and what we got out of wcw and a lot of people don't know that story if if it wasn't for joel um going all the way back for me uh i don't think any of that would have happened but that got me back into it is uh, i wasn't an ecw fan but i loved the monday night wars and monday night wars i think in the early 2000s is when i you know when john cena became a thing i i just it was insulting in the sense that people are booing the ever loving crap out of them and i'm listening to announcers talk about how much the people love them and (laughs) and i'm like this just you know they're trying to sell me on something that's not there and i don't like that so so that's when and and that's when it really became just a production not not sport anymore so I, I agree with you. Uh, the Monday Night Wars to me, I mean, I was in my late 20s when that started. Um, and I absolutely, I, Monday night was my night for the television. I said, I'm watching. Yeah. I'd flip back and forth, uh, TNT and uh, USA, I think it was, uh, and yep. back and forth. And, uh, and it kind of fills it up for me. And I'll tell you a quick story. I was stationed at Fort Leonard Wood. Missouri. Uh, it's about an hour from Eldon, Missouri. Uh, that's where originally we're a World League Wrestling uh, organization, Harley Races uh, promotion. And I got hooked on that. I would go down to Springfield, Eldon, wherever they were at. I'd drag my wife with me. <laughs> and uh, uh, actually, I had a, a box figure still with Harley in there. And we were walking from the parking lot out and I saw him in the truck and I just kind of pointed and I said, I got to get his autograph. Harley waved me over to his truck. And he says, would you like me to sign that? And I said, I would love it. So I had a magic marker. He signed it eight times world champion Harley race and gave it back to me. And, you know, that's, I got kind of started on again. Now I live out in the sticks right now. So it's hard to, you know, watch it. I watch it on YouTube a little bit, but I'm not an avid fan like I used to be. And yeah. I talk to people like you to 
you know, get your perspective on it. Cause I'm kind of in the same boat. It's not what it used to be. It's a lot of eye candy versus the action. I mean, I enjoy some of the interviews, but it's more, you know, I, I'm like you, I don't want to see dancing for an hour and a half and then 20 minutes of wrestling. And I thought AEW would be different than it ended up being. But um, I think it's become a hybrid of like WCW and TNA married together. Mm-hmm. It's got, I mean, it does have some semblance of uh, appeal. I, I mean, I, I'm not insulting them. I think, right. I think what they did is, is fantastic. And, and that competition will end up making the industry better. Yeah. And, uh, or they'll fuse together. I, I still don't, I still think WWE is just waiting for the opportunity to pounce and suck them up and they'll be part of the network as well. <laughs> I'll tell you the guy I like right now in AEW, I'm going to be is Chris Jericho. Yeah. I like him. I always have, uh, even when he was in WCW, WWE, he always just has to me that he knows how to wrestle. He knows how to talk. Uh, you know, he has his inner circle right now and uh, you know, it's not overdone per se. I mean, he does it the right way, what they allow him to do. Uh, but it's one of the few that I actually would watch and I've watched him for 30 years, you know, since he started, I mean, he's the same age I am. He's 50 years old. And sure. I, I, I think he's great. Uh, I've always liked the guy, and I think he's kind of the, why they, they were. The, he was the first champion in AEW. I think he should be champion again. I mean, I don't, don't disregard Kenny Omega whatsoever, but I think just Chris Jericho is more the guy to me. Marketable, marketable, believable. Knows the craft, knows what to do, puts people over when they need to be put over things like that. That's kind of a lost art to putting people over to me. Sure. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Uh, It's kind of a lost art. Yeah. 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 I think, um, I think that the, I mean, I'm not a fan of 50, 50 booking. I think that, that was the thing about, you mentioned jobbers, but squash matches help to make stars and, you know, the syndicated shows. And I know that the business was different. It was about, putting these guys on TV so that people would go out and buy tickets to the house shows. But the syndicated shows, um, those squash matches made those guys larger than life guys and girls larger than life characters. And now it's like, okay, you know, I'm going to go out, win this week. I'll lose next week. I'll win this week. I'll lose next week. And there's no mega stars and Mm -hmm. there's no name on the marquee that you would really go to see they're not making that person anymore like i'll build up vince mcmahon says i'll build up braun Strowman, and then once he gets there i'll knock him back down and i'll build up roman reigns and then i'll knock him back down and yeah, yeah that th- that's one part the other part is yeah i mean there's doing the job um i'm not sure how i feel about that because it's it's almost I think it was a different, it was more of a problem maybe 20 years ago uh-huh. when yeah. uh, you had the big personalities of that era, the Hogan's, the, the Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Steve Austin, you know, brother that doesn't work for me kind of mentality. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, with AEW, I think um, probably too many voices uh, in, in booking and just, yeah. Yeah, it's not. And I I don't like the writers in WWE. I think wrestling people should write wrestling stories. Yeah, I think you're right on the booking. I think booking is a lost art. Yeah. You had guys in the 70s and 80s that all they had, they didn't have scripts. The booker, you know, uh, know, assessed talent and he said, okay, so-and-so versus so-and-so. Uh, this is the ending. This guy wins. You guys, you guys figure it out from beginning until the ending point, which whatever, how long the match was, 20 minutes, half hour. I mean, now it's, it's very, from what I understand and see, it's very, very scripted. Okay. I have to do an elbow drop at this point. I have to punch 
at this level, you know, you don't see the, you know, when they're in their ear Yeah. back in the day when they would get real close to them and say, okay, I'm going to do this. I was just watching, um, reminding me, I was just watching WrestleMania six um, the other day and I saw when Andre the giant turned on Haku and they're all going up in the cart to leave the golf cart with the mm-hmm. ropes and uh, Haku and Bobby are in there. Andre goes up to throw him out and you see him he takes Haku by the hair and he, he like says to him, I'm going to shove you. I'm going to headbutt you and I'm going to shove you out. And he yeah. pushes them out. And yeah, you don't see that because they've rehearsed it six times yeah. before, before the show. So definitely very, very different for sure. I think it's a lost art. And yeah, I, 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 this is why I like to do these things. I get people on like yourself and that, that enjoy talking about it. And I don't know if it's ever going to come back. I thought maybe the, when the NWA kind of resurrected uh, before the pandemic, you know, they were kind of going the old school way. They had it in a TV studio. They would, they had David Marquez as one of the uh, announcers. And, yep. and I, I enjoy David Marquez. Uh, actually, he's a Facebook friend of mine and I follow him and he's got this thing going with championship wrestling. And I'm kind of hoping he goes in that direction of traditional I don't know him that well. I just know, I just follow him. I don't know if you know David Marquez at all. No, but I think society has, I don't think wrestling will ever be, the, 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 the magic is gone. The cat's let out of the bag. Yeah. And people aren't, people have such a short attention span to be yes. able to, um, you know, you can't wait a half of a year to blow off a feud anymore. And yeah. That's a shame. And people wouldn't sign up to watch squash matches there. I mean, I think many people say, why would I pay for a ticket when I can sit at home and watch it on the WWE network for nine ninety five? Well, Peacock for four ninety nine a month. <laughs> uh, <I laughs> and by get... the way, I'm, I'm so upset because I, I loved my WWE network for the old stuff mm-hmm. and Peacock Sucks. I mean, you can't say fast it. forward or rewind live events on certain apps. Saturday night's main event is gone. I mean, mm-hmm. of all things, that was on NBC, which, you know, that's NBC. Why is that gone? I think it's it's because there you have Jesse and there's a lot of things that were said back then that would not be acceptable in today's yeah. climate. And they yeah. probably either said, okay, we just can't use any of this Uh yeah. Or they'd have to mute like every other sentence. It's beep beep. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, it's for me. Um, it's been a journey. Uh, I'm grateful for every moment. Um, you know, one of uh, some of my best memories are doing those conventions, and not just out front, but you know, being able, you know, again, when I'm, I get to go to the after parties and I'm sitting there in a hotel room um, with Bret Hart and Jimmy Snook, like Jimmy Snook is sitting there. He's got a flight. I, I, I wasn't involved in his booking or anything, but yeah. him and his wife, Carol became friends of mine over they're They're from the same area. And I met him through bill, but you know, there were several times where Jimmy who, who liked God rest his soul, loved to drink, um, yeah. And and uh, uh, which Jim Ross and Bobby Heenan say chocolate cake. Um, <laughs> he loved drinking and having a good time. And so Carol would call me like one in the morning, saying, "You got to get Jimmy to his flight. Uh, he's got a flight at five a.m. or whatever." And I'm oh. like, "Carol, I can't do anything. <laughs> I mean, this guy." Because Jimmy was, and this is all out of love and fun. I'm yeah. not saying this because he was violent or anything, but Jimmy would mess mess with you. Like if you said, Jimmy, you, you got to go. Your wife is going to be mad. He'd like chop the crap out of you. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but you know, those moments and uh, you just can't recreate that. I mean, yeah. sitting in those hotel rooms and being part of that with the yeah. people that you grew up um idolizing on tv yeah you just i mean i think i've lived out all of my dreams and um yeah i mean and now i get to be part of uh, bill after and ken resnick and manny fernandez telling their stories and 
um, you know, stay tuned. You never know who else will add to the fold. Yeah, I would have been starstruck every time I was with one of those guys or any of those guys that you were around. I would have been in awe and starstruck. And yeah, I would have been a gopher. They said, go get me something to drink. Okay, I'll go get something to drink. Whatever you want. I think and not to and not to take us off track, Brian, but I think that's why we were so successful because I wasn't, I mean, I was in on the inside, but mm-hmm. my, my, premise and my team's premise and and I as a leader of that little team my thing was don't play that game yeah we are here to do a job yeah um and if you show that then you won't I think the fact that we didn't play the game they respected us because we weren't there asking for autographs we never asked for a picture we never um were the money marks that were um I probably did get drunk a few times and buy a couple of rounds, but they knew, they knew that we were respected. I mean, we had a drive time radio show in Philadelphia, the fifth or sixth major market in the city at the, in the country at that time. And we didn't pander. And, yeah. and I think that was important. And, yeah. and, and I think that's why we were successful. And, yeah. and like, if you look at Conrad, um, that's probably why he's successful too. Cause he didn't, I mean, I, I know he got into it because of, um, you know, connection to the flares and, and that yeah. sort of thing. But I think he does a really good job or at least portrays that um, he's not a Mark, you know, he's not yeah. like a fan. And, and I think that's um, for any podcasters out there that are, um, if you want any advice, that, that would be my thing is don't, don't let the fan take over. Yeah. When you're interviewing people, you're doing a job yeah. and you don't want it to look like you're starstruck. Cause if yeah. you look at all the great shows out there, mm-hmm. none of them get like that. So yeah, um, yeah that was um, t- anyway, tangent, but. No, that's um, good advice. That's good advice. Uh, you know, I, my first one with, with Craig, I was, I'll be honest, I was a little starstruck because yeah. my first it's one. It's hard not to be. Yeah, you know, I was, I was starstruck. And then as I went along, uh, you know, I'm, pers- I'm personable with people that I talk to and stuff, uh, but it wasn't like, uh, you know, oh my gosh, you're awesome. You know, I, I was professional and luckily for me, you know, when I started with Greg, he kind of gave my name around to a couple people he knew like, like Jim Brunzel and, and Ken Patera and those guys. And, uh, it, it yeah. worked out. So, you know, uh, it's been great. I, I want to ask, what are you doing now? I know you're doing the VOC nation. Um, yep. I know you, I know you do other things. Uh, what other projects are you working on? Well, um, those are the three shows I do are wrestling with history and, uh, no BS with the bull, both on VOC nation. Um, I, I run day to day and bankroll VOC nation for better or for worse. And, um, telesystem. Uh, so I'm the chief business development officer at telesystem. So essentially that tie, I'm the chief executive in the front office. So sales, marketing, product development, uh, and that's a telecom company nationwide. So, um, and, and that's, 90% of my time, right? Yeah. Business time. And, right. and, and um, so, so that drives me. I, in that world, in that telecom world, we started Next Generation Leadership with Micah Rosales Peterson, um, who was part of my organization at Telesystem. She just left to take a, another wow. opportunity, but we'll still do the podcast. And that's grown. See, for me, I'm not passionate about wrestling as much as I used to be, but I'm passionate about leadership. And it was a great opportunity to be able to do a podcast that would get visibility Mm -hmm. and have it be in my core competency in life right now. So um, I'm very passionate about leadership. Um, I love tell I've been at telesystem five years now. um, And uh, this is my third year in this, um, uh, C-level role, but I, um, I just, uh, really have a passion for growing and developing people. And, and that's, uh, at my heart and, yeah. um, you know, that, so, so that's what I'm doing anyway. Uh, nice. and my family is important to me. So oh, yeah. the pandemic, as bad as it is, it's allowed me to spend a lot more time, mm. uh, less travel, more time at home with the kids and my wife. This is my third try at marriage and my final and 
um, I'm blessed that yeah. everything happened the way it did because it yeah. wouldn't have happened if it didn't happen. If the hard times didn't come, the good times wouldn't be here. That's exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm on my second, I've been married to my wife for 18 years. You know, it was a rough ride the first time with my, but you know, it all works out. It does it for a reason. And yeah. now I'm more blessed than I deserve to be, you know, like you. And I, I really enjoy it. Bruce, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Uh, thank you again for coming on Bumps and Thumps. Uh, if you want to, uh, real quick to the fans out there, uh, bocnation.com, you can find all their podcasts, uh, YouTube and uh, all uh, podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, they're on Twitter and Facebook at, at VOC Nation. It's, it's all one feed so that we're different from like Conrad has a different RSS feed for every show he does. And okay. there's value to that. What we generally do, and this, this helps our advertising sure. um, uh, way is everything's on one feed. So um, it helps when we sell our numbers to advertisers uh, it's all lumped together. When you advertise on one show, if you get, if you advertise on Manny Fernandez, you get bill after two or Shelly Martinez, or Maestro, or um, I don't want to leave anybody out. Uh, Sassy Steffi's with us, Maestro, Shelly, uh, Manny, Bill, Ken, and uh, I think that's it. Brady Hicks from Pro Wrestling <laughs> Illustrated. But it's one feed, VOC Nation Wrestling Network. You can find that on YouTube as well. And then um, we do... Similar to Conrad, we have commercial free audio and video at uh, patreon.com slash VOC Nation. Well, again, I want to thank you, Mr. Bruce Wirt, VOC Nation man, and thank you so much. And talk to you soon. thanks, Bruce. Brian, best of luck to you. Uh, God bless you. Good luck. Thank you, sir. Bye.